when you really need to feel secure, you need Bodyform Plus. The specially designed wings lock the towel firmly and securely in place, so you don't have to worry, leaving you the freedom to live life to the full. Bodyform Plus. Bodyform for you. I don't actually know what Bodyform was for years. Tampons, he said. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, 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 you always do that. Wow, but fun. And uh, uh, it's always in my head all the time. And I never knew what it was. Uh, I had a shocker the other week. Um, Sam had like sorted all of my drawers out, all of my wardrobe and everything. And she'd put all of my toiletries into one space. And I got up in the morning. She was like still asleep. I was up dead early. So I reached in, put a spray on. I thought, hmm, this smells fruity. All the while, I'm thinking, I've definitely put on women's perfume out. <laughs> and I've walked past in the office, so someone's gone, you smell nice. And I've put, like, not in, like, a, a manly, rough way, just in, like, a, hmm, you smell nice. Mm. And then you had, you had that, wow, buddy, for me in the background. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hang on. Yeah, exactly. You're going to put this at the start again, are you? Yeah, oh. obviously. <laughs> I, I pressed record just before you went into all this nonsense. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <sighs> On that note, welcome to Cage Fighting. We're here to answer the big, big questions in film. Main man Andy Gillard here. Thank you very much for joining us once more. How are we doing, everybody? It's Matt Ding Dong Merrily on Guy. How are we doing? And Stu's gone again. <laughs> <laughs> so offended was he by the my terrible Christmas pun. He's back again. Here he is. Hello, Stu. There's no there's no terrible Christmas puns. All Christmas puns are great. Hello. <laughs> Let's get straight into it. Bit of news this week. Actually, the news this week is the good, the bad and the crazy. In the good column, Warner Brothers confirmed that Wonder Woman 1984 is going ahead with its December release date. Good on them. I mean, yes, the world's in a right state, but the only way we're going to get back to any sort of normality is to make these tiny changes and try and get us back on track. Matt, how much of a risk is this for Warner Brothers to, to plow ahead with their uh, mid-December release date? I mean, presumably it's on streaming platforms only. Um, HBO Max, I believe. Um, is that a paid-for service, presumably? Um, I, yeah, I don't, it is in the States, yeah. I think we're still too early into this cycle of um, paid-for streaming for anything that isn't Netflix and, mm. and, I'd, and I'd argue even Amazon Prime Video is a step beyond for some people in terms of unless there's sport on that they want to watch. I don't think people are specifically going to get it for the video content they can watch. I think we're just a little early in the culture of people paying for subscription services for films at the minute. Um, I, I fear that this might end up being a bit of a trial guinea pig kind of thing and it, it not quite having the results that they want. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I've got to be honest, whenever I've put my TV on VPN for the States, it keeps coming up with an advert for uh, HBO Max. Mm. I am really tempted to sign up, I've got to be honest. Can we do that, though? I think you've got a VPN. No, I mean, signing up, would we have to have some kind of American card? don't think so. 
I think with stuff like PayPal and like things yeah. like that, I think you can get away with it. Yeah, so the shudder that I've signed up for is the American version of it because I fucked up. <laughs> but it's still accepted my Visa card for the details, so it's not an issue. Hey, shudder, where's our freebie shudder? Yeah, get in contact, shudder, you motherfuckers. Um, I'm sure that's going to help. <laughs> Stu, the first Wonder Woman was an absolute belter of a film. Are you excited to see the sequel? Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I had no excitement going into that film as many of the DC films the um even since the start it is all the trailers look great you get to the film and it's always a disappointment and then that changed it so this one as soon as it was announced I couldn't wait but yeah I mean from what Matt said it is a risk but the other risk is what happened with the greatest film of the year Tenet um where in an ordinary year that would make shitloads of money but mm. it came out in kind of half and half kind of staggered COVID nonsense world and no one went to the cinema. So how long is it going to be before people go feel comfortable going back to cinemas again? So you might as you, you're more than likely going to get less revenue from putting it out in say mm. if vaccine in April, May at the latest and put it out and then people are not going to be comfortable for a while, are they? So I think you might as yeah. well just try this. It's not like they've made it to do that. They can always, they're not, they're not like an independent company. They can always swallow the swallow the money quite easily mm. enough for this one film. And if it doesn't work, then fine, push everything else back. Yeah. I think the other risk is, especially for something like the DCEU and the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because it's episodic. If you delay a film for a year, then everything else goes back yeah. a year and all of a sudden you're looking at maybe stuff falling off the slate or films just falling by the wayside. And I understand why they have delayed Black Widow and everything, but it's got to get to the point where they think enough's enough. We've got to bite the bullet to get it out there and try and get something going again, I think. Well, that's happened with Division as well, ain't it? That should have been, mm-hmm. but that was put back because of Black Widow being delayed for whatever reason. That's that, right, yeah. Why that links i don't know but so it is already happening so yeah i think you are right there yeah but as a dc nerd i cannot wait to see max lord on screen that's gonna be great hopefully we'll get like justice league europe and then we'll get the blue beetle and hopefully fingers crossed booster gold like i'm so excited to see some of these lesser known characters coming through i fucking love booster gold the greatest hero you have never heard of I did think I did, I did think the booster gold was fake. <laughs> no booster gold's class. So the bad news this week, it's long been rumoured, but last week on Mark Maron's podcast, WTF, Michael J. Fox confirms he's retiring to focus on his health. Sad times. Obviously, Matt, a few weeks ago, you asked the question about our love of Christopher Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Any films or, or TV highlights of uh, Michael J. Fox that you'd uh, that, that spring to mind? To be honest, I'm, uh, apart from um, the the obvious Back to the Future, I've not really followed his career that much up to date. I know that he did a, he's done a lot of kind of cameo roles in mm. in later on in in his career into like other other shows and kind of going on like Jimmy Kimmel and stuff like that. And I know, I know he's been in Curb Your Enthusiasm as well for an episode or two. And he's been in kind of other shows as well. Um, 
I, I guess things like I know it's silly as it sounds like voicing Stuart Little and stuff like that um, <laughs> yeah. is the kind of things that I think he'll always be known as as back from his Back to the Future role, but he has been in quite a lot of, of other things that maybe he doesn't quite get the credit for that he deserves. Mm. Stu, anything that springs to mind for yourself? <laughs> Just regurgitate exactly what he said. I don't think I've seen him in anything else. I know he's been in, in long running series and things like that, but I haven't, I haven't seen them. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it, but it's one of them things. He's one of them people who's just around and you know, he's always around. Mm. So it's to just not be, he's kind of, it's a shame. Yeah. I mean, a few years back, he did um, the Michael J Fox show. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say it was enjoyable. It, it probably didn't get the, the love it deserved. And I think it only did one season, but it was good fun. But for me, like, I'll never forget his short run on Scrubs. He played Dr. Kevin... Oh, I can't remember his surname. Oh, of course. Oh, he, was yeah. he, he was Kevin. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was a, a doctor who suffered with OCD. And it was one of the first times I recall mental health being shown on a TV show and it not being the butt of the joke. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just so well done and he played it to perfection. So, yeah, it'll... Um, it's just, like you say... He's always been there, and it'll just be sad to know that he's not going to be anymore. Mm. Mm. And finally, the crazy news. Um, so last week, we were officially only have to wait 95 more years before the release of Robert Rodriguez's film, 100 Years. <laughs> That's right. Robert Rodriguez and John Malkovich have teamed up to make a film that's due for release in November 2115. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea why they've done this. It's something to do with it takes a hundred years for a cask of like Louis the Fourteenth cognac to age, so they've made this film and they have put it behind a uh, a vault and they've already sent out the premiere tickets that can be handed down. <laughs> I think the, the only way that I would be like excited to wait ninety five years to see a film with John Malkovich in is if he's going to be reprising the role of Cyrus the Virus. <laughs> I think it'd be worth it then. <laughs> so last time out, uh, obviously, we discussed the Animal Man and uh, whether or not the Americans knew who the Animal Man was. <laughs> Stu joked about maybe they've got a gunman over there. Uh, well, the head of our stateside cage fighting chapter, Todd DeWitt, has gotten in touch with us. So he uh, he DM'd us to say, just to fill you in about going to school in South Dakota. Yes, we did have school assemblies with people who brought in animals to show us. We didn't ha- exactly have an assembly to show off guns, but they did have a thing at school which you could participate in called the J-R-O-T-C, which is the Junior Reserve Officer Training Corps. <laughs> it's kind of like army for teens. Kids would participate in army training drills whilst in high school. He remembers going to another high school who had a large uh, JROTC programme to play them in basketball and they had built a gun range under the bleachers in their gym. Oh, my God. Yeah. America. Yeah. There's also a few times that they had the power team come and speak to them at school. (laughs) He tells us to go and YouTube and enjoy them. And I have checked YouTube and... The power team, these guys have either had not enough hugs off their dad or too many <laughs> hugs off their creepy uncle. It is fucking incredible. I'm um, just batshit insane. 
So, have we got fan questions this week, Mass? We certainly do. We've got quite a few, so we're going to do some quick-fire questions. Uh, the first oh, yeah. one from Ash Dolan at 16, who wants to know, when the world begins to resume to some normality, how do you go about saving the cinema industry? So one we've kind of discussed before, there will need to be changes to bring people back. What steps do you take if you're in charge? If that's too serious, what's your favourite film with a dog in? <laughs> and just in case there's no there's any editing issues there, that's your favourite film with a dog in, not your favourite film about dogging. Stan Collymore. <laughs> Uh, my favourite film with a dog in. <clears throat> have either of you two seen Best in Show? I have not. Okay. It's Christopher Guest of Spinal Tap fame. And it is done with his crew, who he does all of his um, unscripted movies with. And Best in Show, it's about a uh, Crufts type deal. It's great fun. Thoroughly recommend it. Especially if you're a fan of Spinal Tap, it'll be uh, right up your alley. Stu, can you save the cinema industry by involving a dog? As long as there's some jam, then yeah. Um, the one with the, what's the one with Tom Hanks? Turner and Hooch. That's the one. That's the one that. Yeah, so sad. Um, yeah, I love that film. It, it, it used to, it seemed to be on like every six months for ages, uh, but then you don't see it anymore. I don't know why. Um, so Mike Mallins wants to know of uh, a daft question fame, which brand of chocolates was Forrest Gump and his mom buying that didn't have a little card to tell you which chocolate is what? <laughs> She's obviously got like a cheap one off the uh, the local market, hasn't she? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Yeah, it's it's definitely not the milk tray that um, that Mike used in uh, as a <laughs> chat up line. Once. Oh yeah. I like Deep it. dive there for a go and listen to their podcast. Find it why. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, David Evans Pod of a Daft Question fame wants to know. Very good question. This: What film or franchises should have an industry protection to say they cannot be rebooted? For example, Back to the Future should have automatic rights. So essentially, what what should be put behind the vault and not touched? Um, Stu. Transformers, obviously. <laughs> no, um, he's gonna say that. <laughs> I was gonna say I would have said Indiana Jones, but it's, again, it's too late for that. <laughs> That's already been ruined. Um, the Matrix is being rebooted already. So you, I mean, you're looking at things. Probably The Godfather, just things like that. Just leave it alone. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's going to get to that stage in in ten years time where you know it's going to be done. They'll they will, and they'll not only will they do that, but they won't call it The Godfather. They'll call it Corleone. Or something like that, but it will still be a reboot of The Godfather. But to kind of, for that exact reason, they won't call it The Godfather. Or it'll be yeah. The Godmother to be PC. <laughs> <laughs> I think Godfather is the right answer. Like, it is an untouchable film. Um, Toy Story? I think, like, I know they made that fourth one that they probably shouldn't have, but they got lucky with that because that was still a very good film. I would be quite happy if they left it at the four and just don't go, don't retouch it. It doesn't need it. Even though we've got better animation techniques and everything out there mm-hmm. now, it doesn't need it. The story's there, the heart's there. It's just, it's damn near perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with have that. You seen, have you seen the um, the shorts and everything as well? I haven't seen all of them, but I've seen a handful of them, yeah. 
You know I mean, Do, doing that kind of thing, and, and if you want to do a special every year, then I ain't got a problem with mm. that because it's it's still it's in the timeline. It doesn't mess with anything. But yeah, I mean, I, for a long time, I, mean, I, I came out of Toy Story four, and I was kind of I like it. I liked it more now than I did at the time because it was just a bit. You, if you can compare it to the other three, it doesn't work does it? because it's too photorealistic in parts. Mm. It, seems, it seems like a completely different film. Yeah, and it doesn't I mean that they're they're a product of their time, obviously. But it's I don't know. It just felt weird. And I thought, yeah, we don't want it looking like this. Mm. It doesn't. I know it was. This is probably what it should have always looked like, anyway. But even so, mm. just leave it as it is. Mm. Uh, Tom Kearney wants to know what is the one film, regardless of having it on DVD or it being available to stream, etc. If you see it on TV, it's staying on regardless. Uh, Andy, what would yours be? So the the one film that I always put, always leave on, whether or not it's halfway through or wherever it is in the film, Shaun of the Dead. Okay. Like I mean, that, that is that's my go-to film at any time. And I've got it's it on, on a lot. DVD. Yeah. Yeah. I've got on DVD and Blu-ray, and you know I, I will still sit and watch them quite happily. Mm. It's yeah, it, it's just. It's my iconic movie, I think. Stu, you see a film, you flick it through the channels, a film's on, you already own it, but you're going to watch it anyway. What is it? I don't think I'd do this, you know. I, I think I, I think I'd honestly, I wouldn't, because it's very rare that I've flicked through any channels ever, <laughs> let alone. Because <laughs> the only things I watch live is football and probably football. <laughs> so, I mean, for for argument's sake. It'll probably it'll be something like like that, or like we just talked about, like Toy Story, something like that, that you've seen millions of times, and it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, but if it's a, if it's like a, a proper classic that you I haven't seen for years, I'll more than likely turn it off and then watch it from the start on whatever yeah. I'm owning it on. See, uh, mine, mine, and I only recall this because I know I've done it recently, um, and I'm not a massive fan of the franchise, or at least I'm not like to the levels that some of my friends are, but if Skyfall is on the telly, no matter at what point Skyfall's on, I'll carry on watching it because I really enjoy that film. Um, and I don't know why, I think because it's just like, it's that film doesn't mean anything to me. I didn't see it at the cinema at the time or, or anything like that, and I own it. But if Sky falls on, I just think it's like a comfortable watch that I know I enjoy, so I'll just carry on watching it. And you don't, it's not exactly a, a, a mind-bending film, so you can just kind of just get into it at any point. Yeah, but there we go. Mm, I think Stu would agree with you on that one, knowing he's a big fan of the uh, the Bond series. I um, When I was with my, my ex at the time, her dad was a massive Bond fan. And I... I'm very dismissive of Bond in general. And I remember when Skyfall came out and he was so happy to show me this film. And we sat there for like the, the two hours run type. And he just looked at me like, was it good? I was like, no. And these are the reasons why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, George Russ 7 of Wolves Fancast fame wants to know, is Mighty, Tux, is Mighty Tux, is Mighty Ducks 2 Better than Mighty Ducks one. Discuss. <laughs> it's, a, it's a no for me. It is a good film. I do like it, but it is just retreading the same ground as the first one. Yeah, I think the first one edges it because they are still underdogs properly. Underdogs. 
in the second film, they're just the second best team in the world for most of it. I was going to say something similar. It's like when you think of Die Hard 2 is almost a retread of Die Hard in certain aspects. Mm. Some years I'd watch that one and not the first one, but it's not better. It's it's not like that they're different enough like Terminator to Terminator 2 to think it's yeah. a it's a better film, it's a different film because it's not it's almost like a new hope to Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah it is. And like there's some films where I think, oh I fancy watching whatever, number two. But the only time I'd watched Mighty Ducks two is straight after I finished Mighty Ducks one. Yeah. Mm. Fair enough, fair enough. And finally, last but not least, Richard Hobbs wants to know, quite simply, what's the worst Christmas film? Stu, I feel like you're the authority on this. Oh. <laughs> I've watched some terrible Christmas films. <laughs> There's one that I watched on Netflix. I can't even remember what it's called. It was on Netflix last year. It's probably still there. It was basically a rip-off of Home Alone. Oh, Okay. And it was, but with a girl, it was almost like beat that kind of thing where there was there was um, petty criminals. It was, but it was based in a school, and the, the janitor was there. And the school, it didn't make, didn't make any much sense really, but the, the janitor was there instead of the shovel man and the, the bird woman in the second one. And yeah, it was it was just really really shit, and you you knew what exactly what was going to happen. It was beat for beat, and even for me watching every Christmas films on Netflix and Prime and everywhere possible. I won't be watching that one again. And the fact that I can't even think of what its name is, <laughs> that says it all. <laughs> where are, bad it is. Where are you on the uh, rom-com Christmas films like uh, The Holiday or Love Actually and things like that? Are you? Can you take those on board because they're Christmassy films? Does that give it a pass in your both in both your guys' eyes? I'd never seen. I saw The Holiday two years ago for the first time, and I've never seen Love Actually. <laughs> Amazing. I've seen Love Actually, but not The Holiday. I don't like Jude Law that much, to be perfectly honest. So. Yeah, it's, but, you, you absolutely hate The Holiday. The Love yeah, Rat. I imagine. I was going to say, our combined love of um, holiday Netflix Christmas films anyway, that a lot of them are like they said. They are yeah. pretty much rom-coms dressed in snow, so... I love them. <laughs> I love them all. <laughs> it's Christmas. It's the best time of year. But yeah, I, I can see why some people wouldn't like them. But right. for me personally, I do. Mm. Very good. Well, thank you, everybody, for your questions. As always, please get them in on the Twitter and on the email at CageFightingPod. And we will get your questions read out and try and answer those big, big questions in film. Excellent. Thank you very much, Matt. So we'll move on to our questions then. First one, as always, what have you been watching? Matt, kick us off. It was only the bloody Bake Off final, wasn't it, Andy? Oh, what a final as well. And if you haven't, watched, we... it, if you haven't watched it by now, tough shit, because I want to talk <laughs> about it. Because um, I don't think it goes out until uh, tomorrow, if you listen to this, in America. So let's just spoil the warning for there. Give it three minutes. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Todd, basically, and any of our other American <laughs> listeners, switch off for a little bit now. And um, I think it was massive vindication that Peter won, because mm. um, all the way through that, Laura was um, like staying in and staying in. I was getting more and more annoyed, especially because the love of my life, Lottie, went. 
<laughs> and uh, and I was getting really, really annoyed um, that she was staying in. Um, but do you know what? On, on a more serious note, she, she'd faced some really horrible bullying and trolling um, yeah. all the time that she was in, in the tent, so to speak. Uh, and she'd be kind of become a bit of an advocate of that, on, on certainly on Instagram and stuff like that. So good on her for that. Um, but if she had have won, I probably would have sent her a death threat. So it's, <laughs> it, swings, it swings around about, really. But no, I... Um, I I know this sounds really ridiculous and it, I wouldn't feel the same about it in, in, in other years, I don't think, but Bake Off really has been one of the, the, the small mercies and highlights of kind of lockdown for me because it's that bit of routine that every Tuesday night, I know it's on, it's something that I really find pleasure in and enjoyment in. And like, mm. it's, it, it's such a, ch- a charming and warm program that there's absolutely, there's nearly no negativity to it. And it's something I just really enjoyed. Um, and, I, like, I, I'm just upset that it's not on anymore. And I say this on the yeah. back of like, I've just received a t-shirt for Battle Royale, one of the most violent and like <laughs> nasty films ever. <laughs> but like, I'm missing Bake Off. Um, yeah. I know, Andy, mm. you're, a, you're a big fan, Stu, as well, about Bake Off. I mean, good year, I think. Yeah. It's like you say, it's that, it's the closest we've had to any sense of normality this year. Mm. It's been the Bake Off. And yeah, I think... Um, fully embraced it like I do every year it was great I was team Peter from early doors to be perfectly honest but the, the final had such great drama the it fact did. that yeah. the uh, David was doing so well and I thought oh fuck he's gonna nip it here he's actually gonna pip him at the post and then he just comes back at the end of the showstopper and blows him out the water yeah like it was as good as some scripted films that we have seen it was brilliant and it's funny because like, it was like it was a proper one of those like when they gave the result like a wolf's goal kind of get in kind of <laughs> yeah. like moments yeah. as well so yeah that was absolutely. good absolutely and and of course i don't know I'm, I'm i know i'm stealing stew's thunder here so sorry stew um watched the absolutely excellent diego maradona documentary last night on the sad sad news about um diego maradona passing away um if you haven't seen it shame on you but it's on all four for, available for people to watch Stu, I'm guessing that was on your What Have You Watched as well. Um, oh, no, I know, I mentioned it last time. Uh, I mentioned yeah. it at the start of this, I think, so I, I, would, I wasn't going to put it in again. But yeah, we can do because, as I said last time, it, it's made by the same guy who made Senna, and that's mm-hmm. one of the best documentary films I've ever seen in my life. So, hmm. yeah, sad. And the, a miracle that the guy lived to 60 years old anyway. <laughs> but <laughs> even so, it's still sad. And you, you kind of feel, I, I said it on Twitter that, my opinion of him changed a lot after I watched his film, so fair play to him for doing that. So. And uh, and I think I think that film highlights a lot in a lot of the way the curse of the celebrity and like even when he in in eighty six and and between kind of eighty six and nineteen ninety when he was in the height of his like Napoli fame that you know it, it isn't always a blessing. I mean you know with with our fifty listens a week we get bombarded with you know with messages of love and uh and, and stuff like that imagine what he was like as in the, the the king of naples do you know what i mean it's just um <laughs> no wonder like he kind of went off the rails but the documentary is absolutely s- sensational enough and going back to our original chat at the start of the um start of the podcast every man cinema are going to be doing some screenings of it across select um, venues up and down the country so if you know if that comes around our neck of the woods i'll definitely go and see that at the cinema Brilliant. Stu, what have you been watching? Uh, in order, Holiday, Lego Star Wars Holiday Special, Princess Switch, Switched Again, 
My Christmas Inn, <laughs> Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square, and the absolutely fabulous, which because it, it needs it needs a minute on its own. Jingle Jangle, which is one of the weirdest things of of we've seen for a long time. It's and you got Forrest Whitaker looking about 60, 70 years old, singing, flying around, being an inventor in a toy shop in a musical Christmas film that's also got, um, the, oh, is it Keegan Key? What's his other name? Keegan-Michael Key. Yeah. From Key and Peele. Yeah. yeah. He, he's in there singing as well. It's just, it's one of them things where you, you look at it and you you look at the um, the promo on Netflix and it just looks Oh, okay, this is a, a nonsense family film. There's, there's gears everywhere, but it's got a proper like. If the, if this was one of the, the Disney live action remakes of a classic, you wouldn't for some of the effects and stuff and the the endless pot of Netflix money that's been spent mm. yet again. You wouldn't you wouldn't think anything wrong with that spending that money on it because I I loved it more than I thought I would when I it's two hours long as well, but yeah. If if you're in the Christmas mood yet, which you all should be, um, which do you want to make the revelation that you've bought a Christmas tree, Andy, as well? I know, yeah, for like the first time in years, yeah, I know, getting in the spirit. Yeah, it's it's if it's rubbing if Christmas is rubbing up on Andy, then it can rub <laughs> up on you too. But yeah, it's fully in Christmas film mode, and then there's other films that we've watched for this project that we'll speak about at a later date. <laughs> but other than that, um, I will say. I was one of the lucky ones who got PS5 and Astra's Playroom is incredible. <laughs> for a free for a free game I've played it that you can finish in three hours, I've now played it for twenty. Wow. Fantastic. So for myself, I had the misfortune of having to watch Cats last week. <laughs> that film is fucking incomprehensible. I had no idea what the story was. All I know is I felt physically sick in parts. Watching these humanoids, like, arching their backs and bodies. They had whiskers on. <laughs> it, it, it made me feel physically sick. It was so uncomfortable. And the music was awful. Like, it looked shit as well. It was a really ugly film. On the bright side, Taylor Swift was in it. So, you know. As a sexy cat. I gave cat. it a watch. As a sexy cat. Um Following Matt's lead from the the last time out, I watched the Fresh Prince reunion documentary. Mm. Like I was in tears, like within minutes. It's fucking great. Like it's really funny. It's really moving. And like when they're talking about James Avery, Uncle Phil, it's it's kind of heartbreaking. And like growing up being a huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan, like knowing Shredder's not around anymore, just yeah, it was a bit upsetting. But really, really worth it. Uh, worth your 70 odd minutes it's not a particularly long one but it was a good watch and this evening i watched the first few episodes of the saved by the bell reboot that's uh, come about i judged it immediately and hated it and then gave it the rest of the episode and actually it's a bit more smart than i gave it credit for so it's zach morris is the um the governor of California, I think it is where, where it's set, and he's closing down schools, and they close down Bayside's nearest school. So a lot of these kids have to go to Bayside. And the kids from there are generally speaking um, ethnic minority children. 
and they're mingling with Bayside, who are rich, privileged white kids. And all the rich, privileged white kids are making the same shitty jokes that Zach Morris <laughs> was making 20 years ago. But these kids who have come in are so much smarter and they really, they, they sort of up the joke quotient. So it's not just jokes about the poor man Zach and AC are dating the same girl. Like they're taking the piss out of them because they're making these jokes. It's, yeah, it's, um, I think it's got a bit of depth to it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing the rest of the season now and seeing where it goes. Mm. So we'll move on to the next question, which is yours, Matthew. So I want to know what is the best original film song? So a song that was created or composed purely for a film, so not taken off an album. Uh, Stu. Well, I had eight just in case. <laughs> but the one that stood out to me straight away was um, Live and Let Die, The Wings. Oh, okay. Nice. Written for the film of the same name. Been covered by God knows how many people. <laughs> and probably better by other people as well in hindsight. But yeah, set the, t- set the tone for the film perfectly. You can listen to it without watching the film and it still makes sense in a way. Um, it's not stuck being synonymous with that film that it was made for, like My Heart Will Go On and all that kind of nonsense. So I was thinking about, would you? Would I still, would I class one that was my favourite as something that I'd listen to all the time or, or one that stood out? And this one ticks all the boxes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, I mean, we'll go around the table and then I've got honourable mentions. I mean, there's like, things like Shaft, like Isaac Hayes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which again, you think of that film straight away because obviously you you can't not. Mm. But I think we live and let die. It doesn't necessarily take you to the film. Well, probably not in Andy's case anyway. <laughs> Just no, it's got a life of its own. Yeah, it has, yeah, um, yeah. I think absolutely. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, the Guns and Roses cover is is very mm. often on my playlist. So I never even think of it as. Um, has anything to do with like a film, to be honest, apart from, well, for Terminator, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, yeah, a, a campy Roger, Roger Moore's first Bond film as well. Superb. Excellent. Andy, what's your favourite original film song? T-U-R-T-L. <laughs> it's got to be Partners in Crime, Turtle Power. Fucking belter of a film. A song, sorry. Loved it. It just... I, I don't know. Obviously, being such a big fan, as I've already mentioned, of the uh, TMNT, that song, I, I still listen to it now, and the B-side of it is um, Splinter's story, which they've basically just taken Splinter out of the film where he tells the backstory of how he became a, a mutant rat and the turtles <laughs> became mutant teenagers and just put a beat underneath it. <laughs> I've still got the vinyl somewhere. It's, it's down there somewhere so yeah that that was um top of my list um the other one that i wanted to mention because i wasn't sure if you meant like a song that was released as a single if you meant a song that was in the film so not a musical like a stage musical adapted but blame canada from the south park (laughs) movie obviously that that was written specifically for it I, I love that song. Like it was Oscar nominated for a reason. It is fantastic, and seeing Robin Williams doing the performance live at the Oscars was fucking awesome. I, I thoroughly recommend check that out on YouTube. 
Well, it, it was on the soundtrack, so it counts. Yeah. But, yeah. I've got a few other honourable mentions as well, which we'll come back to in a minute. Well, I'm, I've got more. I've got more hope now that you that you mine isn't on there because <laughs> <laughs> so mine is um, from the from the Rocky Four soundtrack, yeah. Hearts on Fire. Oh, oh what a, I love it. Yeah, and like that to me is a song that you know that goes regularly on my shuffle, and it's nothing to do with like I don't mm. have the Rocky soundtrack on. It's just an absolute toe tapper, um, and it's just a bonus that it is part of. Um, arguably, it's it's not the best Rocky film at all, um, but it's the cheesiest and the campest and the probably like probably the most fun of them. Mm. Um, and they, this song's synonymous with it, and it's just it, they go hand in hand. But it stands the test of time as its, as its own song and a really good one as well. That that probably would have made my honourable mentions had I have realised it was written specifically for mm. the film. I just assumed it was a you know, common or garden song because it's a fucking belter. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. Eye of the Tiger was written for Rocky as well, wasn't he? Yeah, I knew that about that one, but I didn't know Hearts on Fire was. Oh, that's a great. Film. I want to listen to that now. I I do think. I mean, I've got it there, and his choice. Everything <laughs> is awesome. Oh, I, I, that is a good song. To be fair, it's. A, I think that was Oscar nominated as well. But now I've got to go back. So, like most of my ones, I've got. Adam's Family Values by MC Hammer. I've got um, Rock Set, Almost Unreal for um, the Mario Brothers film. Ghostbusters. Obviously. And The Rainbow Connection from The Muppets. I, I love The Muppets. So most of mine are like 80s, early 90s yeah. sort of vibe. So the only ones that I have is basically anything by Will Smith, which is obviously a little bit lighter. But those would be my honourable mentions. That song is better than the film, which isn't <laughs> hard to be fair. And it's not actually his his song is it's adapted from um, something Stevie, else. Stevie in it, yeah. I think it's Stevie Wonder in it. Mm. So in my, my honourable mentions. Then I mean, everything is awesome. Is awesome, obviously. Mm. Um, Flash. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought someone did it mention that, um, and then I had a couple that just went against what I said earlier about that you takes you back to the film straight away in Circle of Life. Uh, and yeah. um, I Believe I Can Fly. I mm, can't talk about you mm. anymore. But mm. Space Jam, superb film, superb song. Is and, it? Is yeah, it a good, superb yes, film? Yes, it is. You can't, you can't mm. take Space Jam away from us as well. Oh, it's awful, though, show. I, I, would gen- I would be like quite... We should put this out on Twitter and get a poll going. Yeah, I don't think it's a good film. The backlash is going to be huge now. <laughs> Space Jam is loved, especially after watching the uh, Jordan documentary. Mm. He's got a second wind. <sighs> I mean, but when you stand, because I was on the um, Spider-Man, well, whatever it else, the new Spider-Man film is going to be called, and it's going to be some kind of Spider-Verse crossover, we think. Mm. So I started watching the Raimi films again. And... Hero is not a bad song. My Chad Kroger. Yeah. I know Andy uh, really hates it. Hate, oh. hates Nickelback. Um, yeah. But it's it's very earworm. It gets in mm. it gets in your head. That's fair. That's I, fair. I, I can't I can't think of it because all I can think of is when a hero comes along. I've got stuck <laughs> in my head now. When a hero comes along. 
Um, my only honourable mention that I, that I had put on my list was um, Big Bottom by Spinal Tap, purely for the line, the, lo- <laughs> the, lo- the looser the waistband, the deeper the quicksand, or so I have read. Uh, my, my baby fits me like a flesh tuxedo. I'd love to sink her with my pink torpedo. <laughs> so, what's not to like? Yeah. I've got to say, if you've ever watched um, Popstar Never Stop, Never Stopping, mm-hmm. the, yeah. from the Lonely Island guys, some of the songs that I've got on there as well is really good. They've got um, one which wasn't in the film, but you can catch it on YouTube called um, Fuck Off. It's just great. It's really good fun. I'd thoroughly recommend you checking that one out as well. Very good. So the next question, that will be you, Stu. Okay, so in the uh, in the essence of winter season, I thought a simple one. What's your favourite film with a snowy setting or set during a snowstorm? Uh, Matt? Can only be one on this, and it has to be the classic The Shining. It's the quint- the quintessential non Christmassy snow film. Sorry, Andy, if that was going to be yours. Um, it's it, and the thing is, the snow in this scenario plays an overriding factor in the plot, not just it be snowing. Because I did think, well, shall I have the Empire Strikes Back? Because there's a bit <laughs> there's a bit of snow, um, but I didn't think that constituted as a fair answer. So I thought. We'll go with um, we'll go with the shining because it has a big a, a big plot device um, being set in the kind of winter, um, you know, land not landlocked. That's not really the word I want to use, but they're snowed in and the the terror that comes with it. And you know, I've talked about the shining enough. If you haven't seen it, stop listening to this. Go watch it and then come back because it's absolutely outstanding. Um, and I think. <laughs> Lockdown now for us in in the weirdest way. Maybe you could start to see why he wanted to kill his wife and child um, after after um, a short period of time being um, being locked away. But yeah, just um, it's one of my favourite films of all time anyway. So any excuse I can shoehorn it into a question really is good enough for me. Excellent. Yeah, Andy. So I had there was five that sprang to mind. One of which was um, <clears throat> The Shining. I'll give you my one, and then we'll obviously we'll do our honorable mentions after. I think the best one that for me is Cool Runnings. <laughs> That's in fact that was the first one that came to my mind was Cool Runnings. It's such a feel good film that, and like I know you keep saying I hate fun, but genuinely this is a fun feel good movie. Ice? You watch it and it's, <laughs> but it's great though, isn't it? When they they rock up there like. Obviously, they're from Jamaica. They have <laughs> never seen fucking snow before. It's the the cast who were in it are excellent. They all play their parts to perfection. It's a John Candy film, and we spoke about him in our group chat the other day. I miss John Candy. I will take any opportunity to watch a John Candy film. He was a comedic legend in my eyes. Um. So yeah, Cool Runnings is probably my my top pick. Excellent. Mine. I know that the obvious ones are to go Christmassy, but I, I didn't do that either. And I went with one that's I haven't seen for a while, and I, I'm kind of scared to go and watch it again because it might be a bit like shanky. But the thing, mm. yeah, wouldn't work in any. Obviously, it's integral, like the shining, integral to the plot being set <laughs> where it is in the snow, in the snow, some for the for the thing to breed. Um, but yeah, I loved it. I mean, there's that. There's alive as well. 
mm. some pretty terrible things. I mean, there, there was even a film with that I watched years ago called Whiteout. That, mm. again, well, it wasn't very good, but it, again, that snow setting and the, the kind of feeling of being stranded and kind of almost vulnerable. It's mm. very, uh, very Halloween and very anti-Christmas, which is very strange for me. <laughs> but yeah, so the thing was what I thought of straight away. So if you want to go back to your honourable honorable mentions, Andy, what was uh, what was they on yours? So um, Snowpiercer, which is an absolute fucking belter of a film from Bong Joon-ho, the director of uh, Parasite. Excellent. Uh, 30 Days of Night. Yes. I love a good horror film, and that did not disappoint. Proper, schlocky, B-movie style horror. Is that right. Josh, Josh something? Josh Hartness. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Fargo was the other one. Yeah, yeah I was thinking Fargo. Yeah. Which, I mean, Fargo is brilliant. I've just thought of another one, because obviously we've mentioned Stephen King. Misery as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was about to, to say Misery as well. It's... um. Not obviously, I don't think quite got the same reputational fame as The Shining, but equally as tense and and brooding as The Shining. Mm. Um, I, one that obviously it got remade as was it was it remade as the right one? Well, I can't remember what it was called, but Let the Right oh, One In. Yeah. Um, obviously it was remade Swedish originally. I think Let, it was. Let Me In. I think was Let the Me In. Yeah. I mean, both are fantastic. I preferred this. This. I think I'm sure it's Swedish. Um, yes, is I, I really really enjoyed that, and that's obviously set in um, set in uh, in the winter in Sweden. <laughs> not quite. I'm not sure it's Sweden. I think it might be like the Soviet Union or something, or like Ukraine or something like that. But um, yeah, both um, the remake um, w- was quite good as well. To be fair, it didn't quite have the same intensity and the same kind of dark, the is same tone. Of, is this a mm. bit of vampires? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it is Swedish. Yeah, it's a. Oh. I I managed to see them in the right order, so I saw the Swedish yeah, one same, first. Eh? It's same. a belter because oh. uh, the remake is Chloe Grace Moretz, yeah, who is, obviously yeah. of Kick-Ass fame. Thoroughly enjoyed it. it. It probably isn't as good, but it is still a good movie. Matt Reeves as well directed. Oh, okay. Have you seen them, Stu? No. Get them on, get them on your list, ASAP. But watch the Swedish one first. Mm, yeah, the book is supposed to be a good read as well. The the pool scene in both is is obviously the the scene of the, the two films. Yeah. Uh, I won't say any more, Stu. But um, yeah, watch it as soon as you can because they they are they are excellent. That's on the mm, list. That, that's um, yeah, that'll be up your alley. Oh, I thought of another film I was going to recommend to you, Stu. Um, Holidays in handcuffs to completely change the topic. <laughs> it has got uh, Melissa Joan Hart. Oh yes, and Mario Lopez in uh, obviously AC Slater and yeah. When I saw it, I thought this is a Stuart movie. <laughs> it, it's it's awful, <laughs> but yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. <laughs> well, talking about the um, films, terrible films that you enjoy. I'm just looking at the picture. For God's sake, um, that the holiday holiday at the inn had one of the um, the twins from Sister Sister in it. Oh wow! Okay, and her parents are the parents from the show. <laughs> I, I like the mom because she does quite a lot of the sort of um, um, Afro-American comedies and she's always great in it. She always plays a very similar character, very over the top and bombastic, but she's brilliant. I mean, that that's very much one of the perfect fit rom-com Christmas film feel-good things that we talked about earlier, that mm. one. But just because I, I went to, I just clicked on it, 
play. Don't even care what it is. It's Christmas, whatever. And I thought, I know that woman. Where do I know her from? And then, because I've been watching Sister Sister on Netflix, um, <laughs> this is some kind of weird paradox. Yeah, it's if you like that kind of thing, then go and give it a go. But that's another one to the list now, Andy. Well done. Yeah, yeah. I thought you'd like that one. <clears throat> so my question this week, <clears throat> I want you to tell me about a awful film, a film that he's, he's not critically adored, but he has got a fantastic performance from an actor in there. Matt, start us off. Yeah, I struggled with this. I really struggled. And I, I want to precurse this by saying I don't think the film is awful, but it's a disappointment, and that's worse. So some of the films on next week's episode when we talk about our favourite performances with Nick Cage, like the, when we talk about the worst ones, the ones that are high on my list aren't necessarily bad films, but they were disappointing, and that's what makes it worse because I had higher hopes for them. That was what makes mm. them bad. So um, the one for me would have been um, Fassbender in um, Prometheus and Alien oh, Covenant. come on. Come on now. Because not- I mean, they, they are critically despised pretty much, and, and generally speaking, fans of the Alien world do not like them. And the, the issue, my issue is with them, before I let Stu be the case for the, for the defence, <laughs> is that... <laughs> Alien and Aliens are two different franchises with the same monster. Um, And we didn't need another Alien, whereas we could have got away with Aliens. So we didn't need another horror Alien, but we could have got away with another action Alien. And Alien, as a one piece, is perfection. And by trying to recapture that kind of tense um, horror aspect of it, the way that they did just it just didn't work it just it was so slow and plodding and and it, uh, i was really disappointed with it and like i watched covenant again not that long ago hoping for for more from it and it's just um it just doesn't grab you and like it's just not the same it's no it's it's just not it's nowhere near as good but fastbender as david is excellent really really mm. great he um the little the human intricacies of him as an android where you know you know he's a wrong one, basically um and the reveal at the end of covenant as well and his clinicalness and his coldness is done in such an amazing way that he really is the savior of that those two films for me um and it, and it, and again the films aren't really aren't bad like they're not as bad as people make out but they're disappointing because that universe could could give so much more. Well, just don't try and replicate perfection because you're never going to achieve it. Hmm. So I'll get down off my pedestal now. But Stu, <laughs> case for defence. I did when I saw Prometheus first. I didn't have one because I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it a lot more after watching Covenant mm-hmm. and then watching them, then going back and watching them together. So though actually, yeah. So in that kind of warp, thinking that if we get a th- if we get a third and final one, then maybe it's a, it's a it makes one half decent film, but I think because we they said it to start with, oh, it's not Alien, it's something else, yeah. and yeah, it clearly, it clearly, obviously was. Um, they're just like you said, it's you t- if you take them as they are on their own mm-hmm. and not compare them to the 
I think I've said this over so many times. Um, <laughs> if you're trying to compare it to not what the source material obviously is, and it's just another Geiger-based mm. thing with the same the same creature in the same universe and not part of the same story, then they're not bad. They're not good by any sense of the world, but they're not they're not critically awful. Like we're not. I think we can mention Fastbender in a lot. I think especially the um, we so even mentioned Dark Phoenix again. Because even he couldn't save that one, but there's um, Apocalypse. I thought he was great in Apocalypse. I think he's just a very, really good actor, anyway. Well, yeah. yeah. I, the thing is that I, I, and I agree with you, Stu. You know, you sh- you should try and like separate the two. But the opens exactly the same mm-hmm. with like with how they open. You know, with with the with the lines becoming the the text of Alien, and and it's it's the, you can't. You know, they are the same universe and they don't try to not be the same films and you know we've got our female protagonists that are the strong independent women that fight the aliens it's just it's just they're 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 toying with fanboys like mine emotions and i don't like it (laughs) but fastbender's excellent in it and um that's the question that you wanted to answer excellent stew i thought this was blatantly obvious that it was Ewan McGregor in the prequels, especially Attack of the Clones. When you said worst films, I thought, what's the worst film you can think of? Hmm, that's always up there. And the fact that he's got he's now got a second chance with that character because he was so good in them films, hmm. that it was it's kind of like a, a Sam Dunk because he was... I mean, we, could, we could do... 24 months alone on the, on the, the prequels, how terrible they are. I and mean, there's a few that, I mean, it, Michael Keaton in Jack Frost, I know that films get shit on a lot, but I've always liked it. It's a terrible film. But I, I thought the twist was going to be that he was actually a paedophile at the end of it. <laughs> it. It was just fucking wrong. It was horrible. I, I really didn't like that film. But it, I, I think I'll discount that because is it now she kept or is it just animated and it's a voiceover? I don't know. Hmm. But, it's fucking creepy. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but and there's one for you, especially under the um, big Tony Hopkins in the uh, the last night. I don't think I've seen that. <gasps> oh, oh, sorry, the Transformers. I, I thought it was about the Christmas. Is that the Christmas night? I'm thinking of. I, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, I have seen that. That film's absolute dog shit. <laughs> All right. Okay. So my answer is. Betty Gilpin in The Hunt. Uh, have either of you seen... You've seen Glow, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, the the Netflix. Oh, yeah. She's yeah. The, the blonde lady, uh, the blonde lead in that. Oh, okay. And she's in a film called The Hunt. And I was so looking forward to The Hunt. Emma Roberts is in it. And <gasps> we've obviously mentioned a few times, big fan of Emma Roberts. And it's it sounded like it was going to be Battle Royale. Mm-hmm. So a group of people get released into this wooded area and start getting picked off. I thought this sounds really interesting. I'm properly looking forward to this. And the people who have been hunted are basically Republicans. And then I think they're referred to as the deplorables. So we're supposed to think that they're horrible people, but we follow those through the film. And the bad people are actually the ones who are killing them, who we're supposed to identify with. And it just... It doesn't work. It's a real mess of a movie. It, it's terrible. But Betty Gilpin, as the, the the main character who we follow through the movie, puts in a hell of a performance. 
it's properly good. You really root for her, even though we're apparently supposed to dislike her because she votes the wrong way for, for somebody's particular tastes. So that, that was going to be my answer. That That's my top one. I did have a couple of um, honourable mentions. Eddie Redmayne in Jupiter Ascending, yeah. which, I mean, that film is like that. that's proper so bad it's good. And I think Redmayne knew this when he went to act because he puts in an almost Oscar-worthy performance. Like he proper Shakespearean-esque hams it up. He goes for the fences. Um, I'm not sure if this is a controversial one. Alan Rickman in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I'm not sure it's a terrible film, but it's not a great film. Sorry, I did my Snape <laughs> impression there. <laughs> but yeah, Alan Rickman is. I mean, Alan Rickman's great in everything, but I don't know if that was a controversial one. Uh, well, he's he's incredibly camping, eh? Um, yeah, I watched it last year, I think, because it was one one of Annabelle's favorite films of all time. Um, right. Okay. I hadn't seen it since. Huh, funny story. We was in. Um, we watched it. We had a screening of it at, at primary school, and for some reason, I um, I had the shit, so I had to run <laughs> run out halfway through. Um, and when it was one of the times when I went to the toilet and it, it, there was no toilet roll there, <laughs> so I, I had to uh, I had to leave a sock. So that was always <laughs> <a> kind of <laughs> kind of. Um, Scarred memory of that film, and I didn't watch it again for a few years afterwards. And I remembered it being better than it was, and we all had the action figures and everything as well. And then I watched it last year, and it was shit. Mm. It was terrible. I thought, why is it? It was nothing like I remembered it. And I thought it was a lot. I thought it was a lot more serious than it actually is. Mm. And maybe that's why I didn't get on with it so much. That I was prepared for something else. But yeah. It's not a bad take to not like that film. <laughs> well, I, saw... I, I remember Sorry, loving it, but yeah, it, it doesn't uh, hold up. I've seen the tree though. <laughs> you know the uh, the tree that they shoot, they shoot the um... yeah yeah yeah. What, we drove past it when I was in um, up in that part of the world near Hadrian's Wall. I saw um, I saw a hot take which I thought was absolute drivel when I was researching this question. Um, Forest Whitaker in um, uh, the hell it's completely escaped me. Uh, Rogue One, because oh, Rogue God. One, because Rogue One A is excellent, um, and B he's excellent. Well, yeah, well, I suppose not saying he isn't excellent, but Rogue One as a piece is probably one of the best Star Wars things that has come out in the past fifteen twenty years. Well, f- since Oof. since the originals, yeah, it's that's an a, awful take. It's my second be- second favorite Star Wars film out of all of them. Mm, so I'm it's, not sure how anybody can um, can. And he's he's um, Forrest Whitaker's in the um, Jedi Fallen Order as well, playing the same character. Just started playing that. Um, literally just started uh, yesterday. Got put into like the first bit of open world. Saw this massive frog. Can't get past it. Is <laughs> uh, is the time? Is my time up now with computer games? Am I at that, that age now where I now <laughs> can't get past the simplest of like entry level bosses? My concern. <laughs> oh, the last one that I had on my list, Rami Malik in Bohemian Rhapsody. Like he, he actually won the Oscar for it, but that film is fucking awful. Nope. Like it's inexcusably shit. <laughs> 
what's what's your beef, Andy, with with this? Because we've you've, we've had this before, but we never really gave our two two pence on it. What's 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 your beef with Bohemian Rhapsody? It's a terrible film. It's really badly made. Like I mean, it is genuinely badly made. How it won the Oscar? Everyone has seen that clip of the the editing in that scene. People aren't even on the same eye level looking at each other, having a conversation. They're looking across the table level. One person is stood up. Like, that doesn't make any sense. It's not particularly interesting. I felt like it could have been a bit deeper into maybe one of the characters. It was too ask kissy to Queen. And I think that is because, obviously, Queen were involved. Mm. So it just it doesn't do it for me. Do you like Queen, though? I don't, <laughs> I don't dislike Queen. I don't dislike them, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put their music on out of choice. See, I like Queen. Seen a version of Queen, obviously not with Freddie Mercury in a couple of times. Um and I thought the film's great. I thought he captured I captured the essence of, of their music really well. It was dramatic, it was um it was camp when it needed to be. And I thought, and Remy Malik was excellent in it as well. Um, and I, I really, really enjoy Bohemian Rhapsody. And I, I, when I'm watching a film about Queen, I'm not, I'm not looking at the editing as something that's that didn't jump out to me because I'm a fan of the source material. When if you're not a fan of the source material, I think you're actively not interested. So you are going to pick more holes at it. I think. Yeah, I think that's I, fair. I never noticed it either. Hmm. No. Um, the other one, the one story I do like about Bohemian Rhapsody is that apparently they were going to kill off, or um, James, I was going to say James May, Brian May wanted to have the death of Freddie Mercury halfway through the film. And the second half of the film was going to be about Queen going from strength to strength after the death of Freddie Mercury. Because obviously everyone gives a shit about Queen post Freddie Mercury, don't they? Yeah, only the badges. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. But yeah, that, that was originally supposed to be the, the original idea, which to be honest, might have made a much more enjoyable film. Who knows? So that's the questions out of the way for this week. Next week, we are watching Nicolas Cage's latest entry into his oeuvre. If you've ever wondered what Aliens vs. Predator meets Mortal Kombat... <laughs> But directed, produced, and written by Tommy Wiseau, you're going to want to watch Jiu Jitsu. You probably aren't, but that's where we're going next week. Is we're going to be watching Jiu Jitsu Cage's latest movie. Um, it's available out there to stream on places. I, I can't even remember off the top of my head. I should have written it down. So apologies, but yeah, it is out there to watch, and you can uh, tell us what you think about it when we get there. So make sure that you're following us on the Twitter at CageFightingPod, emails to CageFightingPod at gmail.com and if you could also leave us a five-star review, that would really, really help us. So for this week, Stu, would you like to say goodbye? Watching Jiu-Jitsu is all Anthony's fault. Don't blame us. Goodbye. <laughs> Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Andy, why did you make us watch Jiu-Jitsu? <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. <sighs> Yeah, I'm sorry. It's goodbye from me, and remember, be excellent to each other.
time you see one, you'd be forgiven for being curious, because there's never been a body form towel quite like the new Invisible Ultra. It's specially shaped, has a dry top layer to keep you feeling fresh, and is cleverly compressed to give you big towel protection in a very discreet towel. You always do that. Wow, body form. Body form for you. 